So the title of today's sermon is wait for it, Breaking the Christian Glass Ceiling. You ever heard the phrase glass ceiling before? A lot of you in business or so forth have probably heard about the glass ceiling. Glass ceiling is a metaphor for the invisible barrier that prevents some people from rising to higher positions. A lot of uh, companies will pay thousands and thousands of dollars to send their employees to these conferences uh, because their employees have reached a certain level, uh, maybe in their desire, in their pursuits of, of their profession, and then they stop, and then they sort of plateau, they stay there. An employee will spend thousands of dollars to try them to take it to the next level and break through the glass ceiling. What is breaking the glass ceiling is overcoming invisible obstacles that allow you to take your potential to a new level. And I want you to keep that in mind. We'll come back to that in a little bit. But I want to talk to you about something that we all have been through and all will go through, and that is, that is suffering. You can tell maybe from the introduction this morning, it's more of a solemn spirit today. Um, but I have some news for you that's not very positive. You will encounter suffering. I know none of us want to. We try to avoid it at all costs. We don't like it. We hate it. And, and so many times, uh, we've all been through suffering of some level. And, and we never want to go through that suffering again. And we hope that we don't, but, but we might. But we will encounter suffering. And one thing I want to point out is um, there's different reasons why. A lot of people struggle with the idea of suffering. Well, very quickly, I'm going to go through and let you see that sometimes it's of our own making. You know what I'm talking about. You've got yourself in a predicament and trouble, and you had to pay the consequences and suffer the consequences. But sometimes it's for doing God's work. You do God's work, Satan is after you, and sometimes God allows Satan to come in and, and gives you some challenges. And then sometimes there's maybe no explanation, or no explanation that we see or understand at the moment. But sometimes suffering, we'll encounter suffering just because. Just because. Okay, the first thing I want to look at is suffering on your own making. If you want to turn to Genesis chapter 37, we'll be looking at verses 3 through 11. We're going to look at the life of Joseph. That is on page 60. If you're using one of our blue, blue hymnal Bibles. Suffering of your own making. Now, there's a number of examples I could have used, but I wanted to use uh, Joseph. It wasn't, well, I just... I just felt like God was leading me to use Joseph. So we'll use him, uh, Genesis 37, uh, verses 3 through 11. And I'll read through that. Now Israel loved Joseph more than any of his other sons because he had been born to him in his old age. And he made a richly ornamented robe for him. When his brothers saw that their father loved him more than any of them, they hated him and could not speak a kind word to him. 
Joseph had a dream, and when he told it to his brothers, they hated him all the more. He said to them, listen to this dream I had. We were binding sheaves of grain out in the field when suddenly my sheaf rose and stood upright while your sheaves gathered around mine and bowed down to it. His brother said to him, do you intend to reign over us? Will you actually rule us? <clears throat> and they hated him all the more because of his dream and what he had said. Then he had another dream and he told it to his brothers. Listen, he said, I had another dream and this time the sun and moon and 11 stars were bowing down to me. When he told his father, as well as his brothers, his father rebuked him. And said, what is this dream you had? Will your mother and I and your brothers actually come and bow down to the ground before you? His brothers were jealous of him. But his father kept the matter in mind. Now you know what happened to Joseph, don't you? But we'll go ahead and stop there. First of all, I want you to see his brothers were jealous. He was the favorite in the family. The father was doing things uh, for Joseph that he didn't do to any of the other brothers. And they saw it, and, and in return, they didn't like Joseph. Do you think Joseph knew that? He probably did. But his reaction, God gave him these dreams. Now, I don't know, we're not given in here that God said, hey, Go flaunt this in front of your brothers. Go rub it in their face. But that is exactly what he did. And I'm pretty sure by, by the reading, it almost sounds like he did have an arrogant attitude about it. Arrogant so much that his father, remember, he was his father's favorite. That means his father would have been first to defend him, first to take his side in about anything. But even he rebuke Joseph. It's like, Joseph, you've got to settle down a little bit. You're getting a little bit too arrogant, a little too prideful. His brothers were jealous. Joseph was arrogant. And then he goes and tells them these dreams, flaunts it in front of them. So how do you think that affected him? Whatever jealousy they had, it increased. Remember, their jealousy increased and their hatred for him increased so much that they eventually um, put him in a pit and eventually sold him into slavery. Now, we know the whole story of Joseph. We know how the story ends. And we see from the very beginning, this was all part of God's plan. God had to get Joseph into Egypt. That was part of his plan. But you see, God allowed Joseph to endure some suffering. Could God have chosen another way to get him into Egypt? I think so. But God allowed Joseph to really, in my opinion, suffer the consequences of his actions. You're proud, and you're arrogant, and, and you're flaunting that in front of everybody. What's that saying? Uh, pride comes before a fall. And God allowed Joseph 
to fall in a very, very humiliating way. He went from the top in his family to being a slave. But when we talk about suffering, you want to counter suffering. And some of the suffering will be in your own making. Then we can go over and look at the story of Paul in the book of Acts. In Acts chapter 16, we'll look at a couple of verses, 16 through 18, and then 22 through 24. Acts chapter 16, verse 16, that'll be on page 1721. Sometimes you'll suffer of your own making. Sometimes you'll suffer for doing God's work. Verse 16, once again, we were going to the place of prayer. We were met by a slave girl who had a spirit by which she predicted the future. Sharing a great deal of money for her owners by fortune teller, this girl followed Paul and the rest of us, shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. She kept this up for many days. Finally, Paul became so troubled that he turned around and said to the Spirit, In the name of Jesus Christ, I command you to come out of her. At that moment, the Spirit left her. Paul just performed an exorcism. He, he did a godly work. He took the demon, commanded it out of a woman. I would dare say that's probably a pretty good thing. But then let's go down to 22. Verse 22, it says, The crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in their inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. Well, Paul's there because of what I want you to see here is Paul was doing God's work, performed exorcism. And what did he get in return? He got beat, but the Bible says severely flogged. Now, I don't know if you know the details of even what it's like to be flogged. Not a good thing. It is a pretty severe beating. But in here we have the added severely flogged. He was beaten pretty good. Beaten really good. Why was he beaten? Because he was doing God's work. And then to make the matters even worse, after like severely beaten wouldn't have been bad enough, after he was severely beaten, then he gets thrown into prison. And then he gets bound with stocks. That's pretty bad. That's pretty bad. And he all, all of this occurred because of the good that he did. Isn't that very interesting? You would think that if you're doing good for God, that you will be blessed. I think we sort of we teach that sort of in Christianity. Quit doing the bad things, do the good things, and your whole life will be blessed, and God will pour his blessings out on you. Well, in Paul's case, he allowed him to go through suffering. Sometimes you suffer. You will encounter suffering. Sometimes you go through suffering on your own making. Sometimes it's because you're doing good. I don't know how many uh, people that I know that are in ministry 
Do not go through intense times of suffering. But then sometimes you suffer just because. And you probably may have already guessed that I was going to pick Job as an example of that. You're going to turn to the book of Job. We'll read a couple of verses there. It's on page uh, 788. A little more challenging book to find. And you already know the story of Job. Or you may know it. We'll just look at the beginning. Here we'll just look at verses 8 through 12. God and Satan have a little conversation. I guess it's 789 would be the page that this verse is on. Verse 8, Then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil. Does Job fear God for nothing? Satan replied. Have you not put a hedge around him and his household and everything he has? You have blessed the works of his hands so that his flocks and his herds are spread throughout the land. But stretch out your hand and strike everything he has and he will surely curse you to your face. The Lord said to Satan, Very well then. Everything he has is in your hands, but on the man himself... Do not lay a finger. Then actually later on, God allows him to even lay a finger on his, his body as well. Job is a very interesting book because we never have a reason why he suffered. I think even a lot of his conversations, even at the end of the book, which is my favorite, God talks to Job and he never explains why. Job, I did this because of... Never gives him an answer. Never gives him any closure there. So suffering is going to happen sometimes. We bring it on ourselves. Sometimes it's because we're doing good and the enemy is attacking us. And then sometimes it just happens. Um, one thing I do know, and this is hard for us to, to really receive, is that suffering is necessary. It is necessary in Romans 5, 3 through 5, and I'll just read it to you. And not only so, but we also glory in our sufferings. Because we know that suffering produces perseverance. Perseverance, character, and character... Hope. And hope does not put us to shame because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. Suffering produces hope. And I would dare say the hope that comes through suffering is, is a heavy hope. We'll go back to the glass ceiling. Analogy here. As Christians, most of us ask Jesus to come into our heart. Maybe we'll start some activities that bring us closer to Him. We'll go to church, maybe read the Bible, maybe spend more time in prayer, maybe stop some sinning, and then we grow in our relationship with God at least a little bit. But what happens is we, we get to a certain point. We rise up, rise up. We get to a certain point. 
and then we plateau. And so many of us, we hit our glass ceiling is what we're doing. So many of us stay there for our entire lives. We're comfortable. We're satisfied. We're content. We think we've done enough. We look at what we've done in the past or what we, the kind of person we were in the past and we look at where we're at now and we're okay. Wow, we've done really good. And I'm okay with God. I've been doing the same thing with God for the last 10, 15, 20 years and, it, and it's just good and we plateau. But one thing God does is He, uh, he wants us to break through that glass ceiling. And I think one of the number one ways God gets us to break through that glass ceiling is through suffering. There's a level of relationship you can only get to God that is only attainable through suffering. Make sure you understand that, but also you need to have the proper reaction to suffering. Because suffering will occur for many different reasons, but how do you react to it? And there's a, a number of reactions. Some people react by retreating. We encounter some hardships. Something terrible, something traumatic has happened in my life, and I'm going to go over here, and I'm going to hide in a corner. I'm not going to let anybody in, not going to let God in, not going to let people in. Just going to stay in my corner and just, I don't want to be hurt anymore. I'm very tender, I'm very sensitive, and I'm going to stay in my corner. I know sometimes when intense suffering happens, that is an automatic reaction. And, and I think to some degree that's probably okay, but the problem is, is we stay there. We stay there in our little bubble. It's like we can't take any more. I'm going to go hide to make sure uh, I don't experience any more pain. And you withdraw. The thing about it is a lot of people can stay there for many years. Maybe even decades. And the maybe recovering and the maybe the pain diminishes a little bit, but it's but it's very slow. And I would dare say there's probably some resentment towards God building as well. Proper reaction to suffering. Some people retreat. Some people get angry. Now, a popular thing in our society today is why does God allow bad things to happen? Especially why does He allow bad things to happen to good people? And we're having our mindset that it're not supposed to happen. So when it does, we, we're having our mindset, we're just going to be blessed. I'm doing what was right. I'm doing what I'm supposed to for God. Life is going to be good for me. He's going to bless me in so many different ways. And then something bad happens. And then we get angry. And sometimes we don't even know what we're angry at. But a lot of times it's because we're angry at God. We hold Him accountable. We ask that, or we make that statement and ask that question, why me? Sometimes we look around and we see other people and it's like, well, I'm better than them. Well, look at that evil sinner over there and their life is blessed. Why does that have to happen to me? And we get angry at God. Then maybe we'll retreat from going to church as much or, or maybe we'll just leave the church altogether. I don't know how many people have left 
their faith of Christianity because something bad happened in their life. I got my degree in apologetics and I read and studied many works of atheists. And many, many prominent atheists have had terrible things that have happened in their lives. And sometimes they admit it, sometimes they don't. But you almost think that that is probably what got them to turn against God and to be so angry and bitter towards God. Sometimes you can go extreme and just uh, leave Christianity altogether and become angry at God. Or sometimes you just back off from God a little bit. You still may even go to church. You still may even do a devotion and read your Bible. You may still even pray, but you're not as sincere as you used to be. You're not as desperate for God as you used to be. Proper reaction to suffering. Some people will retreat. Some people will get angry. But then some people will understand the big picture. Understand the big picture. God is in control. And God has allowed suffering to occur to you. Make sure you understand that. There's nothing that happens that God doesn't know about. He has allowed it to happen. Now the question is, how do you react to it? No matter where you're at in your relationship with God, God wants to use that suffering to bring you closer to Him. Closer on a level that you haven't experienced before. And I don't know if we really like to believe that or even think that, but I promise you, look back in your life. The closest that I've ever grown in my relationship with God isn't when life was going good. It's going through hard, challenging times. And we've all been there. We've all been through hard, challenging times that we would never go, want to go through again. But the question is, did we grow in our relationship with God through it? You can have a casual relationship with God and you can go to church and you can read your Bible and you can come and you can worship the music and you can enjoy the, the, the Christian music and you're just safe and you're comfortable. It's like, yeah, man, God, we're good. But then there's other times where God just hits you like a ton of bricks, a heavy weight, and burden that you can't even stand. Just knocks you down. And then are you looking to God? And are you begging and pleading to God? God, I can't make it another day without you. I can't make it another minute without you. I need you, God. You've got, I'm not going to make, make it through this on my own. You're going to have to help me. You're going to have to pull me through this. And then guess what happens when God does? Our intimacy with God is that much deeper. Our relationship with God is that much stronger. 
One thing we've got to understand is this put an analogy. God is using suffering. God will use suffering to take us to a new level with Him. In fact, we probably can't break through the glass ceiling without suffering. But you've got to understand, God is playing 4D chess. He's playing on a level we don't understand. So when we look at something, even look at Job's life, it's like, why is that suffering going on? Or even in Joseph's life. I love that example. I feel like uh, Joseph sort of, of uh, built himself up for that. Some of that suffering was on his own doing. But look how God used it. God used it in Joseph's life. God used it in his family's life. God used it in the nation of Israel's life. And when you think of Joseph, you mean to tell me that you have this prideful probably young man that was a favorite in his family, which I think was pretty well off. And then he goes into being a slave in a foreign country. I don't know what that was like back then. I'm just thinking it wasn't that good. When you read the story of Joseph, it's so quick to go through it. Especially you take kids or something, you just go through the story. Well, Joseph did this and this and this and this and this and this how it ended and it was all good. But you don't understand, these things went on for years. Joseph is very interesting. He might have got himself in a little pickle being sold into slavery, but then he ends up in a, working his way up a little bit. Then he does something good and resists temptation. And then his reward for that is he gets thrown in prison. Not for a couple of days, not for a couple of weeks, but for years. When they about reread his story and we know how it ends, so we can read it and not get sad about it or emotional about it. But Joseph didn't know what was going to happen to him when he's serving as a slave. Joseph didn't know what was going to happen to him when he's in the prison. Day after day after day, year after year after year, he's in prison and he's suffering. I don't think Joseph retreated. I don't think he got angry with God. I think he relied on God to help him make it through. And we see where Joseph ends up. And I would dare say Joseph couldn't have become the man that God brought him to become if he didn't endure and go through the suffering that God made him go through. He, was, he became a, so close and on a level with God that he only could have got there through suffering. I think a lot of us There'll be times in life where we're up against that glass ceiling and we're okay with it. Because we know that to get to that next level, it's going to be hard. It's going to be challenging. God will, will just rock us to our very core. We'll question life. We'll doubt things. We'll go through this journey, but when it's all said and done will break through 
break through that Christian glass ceiling and be on the other side. I hope you understand what I'm trying to tell you this morning. Because I know life is hard. I know if you're still living, two things are probably true. You're either going through hardships and suffering right now, or you're going to. But the question is, are you going to let your suffering, your pain, bring you closer to God? That's the question. Or are you relying on something else? Yourself, others, outside things. God wants you to, to be brought to a deeper relationship with Him. And He can use pain and suffering, and He uses pain and suffering to do that. Number one, understand that. Don't get angry at God. Cry out to God. Seek His face. And it's not like that's the, I tell you that, and then you do it, and then say, okay, I'm better now. No. Romans verse I read earlier. Really disturbing verse when you think about it. Suffering produces, the number one, the first thing, perseverance. You've got to make it through every day. You've got to wake up. You've got to make it through. Or are you making it through on your own? Or are you pleading out to God? Help me, God, make it today. And I know when I go through pain and suffering, and shame and guilt and disappointment and all those things, so many times I'll cry out to God and there's not an immediate response here. You can come to the altar and pray. You can just uh, uh, hear the glass break because you feel like you're breaking through the glass ceiling. But it doesn't end there. Or maybe you don't feel immediate results. You've got to stay with it. I look back at hard times in my life and things take time. And so many times when you're going through it, you don't feel the hand of God working. You don't understand what's going on, why it's happening. You just feel like you're hopeless. And you're just crying out to God. But then you make it through. And then you look back and you see, wow, that's when I have grown the closest to God. I didn't feel it. I didn't, the pain didn't go away. Shame or guilt didn't go away. But I made it through. God helped me every day to make it through, even when I didn't feel it. And look where I'm at now, closer to God. God wants you closer to Him. Your number one goal is not to be happy and content in life. Your number one goal, you're not here for God just to pour out blessings to you. You're here for God to use you. I've never met anybody that enjoyed boot camp in the military. But you go through boot camp for a reason. And when you finish boot camp, 
You're a different person. God knows He's got to take us through challenging times. And He knows that if we cry out to Him, if we keep our eyes on Him, and we persevere, just make it through another day, there will be blessings. There will be a deep spirit of hope that only can be gotten by going through this.